All right, guys, welcome to the Different Animals Podcast. You're here for episode two. Uh, it's your boy, Tyler. And I'm Ever Castro. And uh, we're going to be hit, touching on a couple random things today. Um, got some got some, uh, some Drake stuff going on with some new releases. Hit, a, hit some movie topics, some sports topics again. And we might hit some shows and movies we're watching uh, currently at yeah. the end. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah right. definitely happy to be back, second week. Um, hope you guys had a good week and hope everybody's doing well. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get your mind off of stuff for uh, you know an hour or so and and uh, yeah, keep you entertained. Absolutely. So before we jump into any of that though, guys um so the first thing we're going to touch on today is uh i happened to see this rolling stone article from uh, a few weeks ago at the time and the headline for this rolling stones article is kanye tapes to beeping at his friends calling words the lowest forms of communication (laughs) which might be the most ridiculous thing that anyone said if it wasn't kanye west i think this probably fits in you know i don't even think it cracks his top 10 of most ridiculous shit this man said which is a fucking shame definitely i mean like i feel like you know we miss him on twitter i miss him on twitter you know because we had his classic uh tweets including the water bottle one uh yeah. but yeah this is yeah i mean i know when i want to hit up my friends i just beep at them you know like they're beepers but yeah absolutely that's why we still <laughs> use the 90s technology of beepers is because we we reached the pinnacle we reached the pinnacle of communication, and we were like, "We're stopping here with beepers." Exactly, exactly. Did he? Did he say like, who said? Did he say this? This his friends are they the ones who told Rolling Stone about this? Or man, I'm I'm not sure. If I'm I read it a little bit and I, I skimmed it, and I, I can't remember who came up. I think it was someone he works with um, said this. I'll have to go back and check the article again. It's a Rolling Stone article, so you can check that wherever. But I think my favorite part of this is that regardless of whether he said it or not, is there any doubt in your mind that that he said this? Absolutely not. Yeah, this man absolutely would say this. (laughs) In fact, if you had told me that, it'd be like, all right, Ever, I'm going to give you a headline from the Rolling Stone about an artist who said something. Here is the headline. I would have said, um, definitely, absolutely, 100% Kanye West. (laughs) Oh, my God. My favorite part of this is that (laughs) <laughs> he calls words the lowest form of communication when in fact the highest form of communication we as cavemen <laughs> all we did was grunt and fucking gesture at people and then we were like hey what if we started using words you know yeah, so we can sure clearly we, communicate one of the first words ever uttered ever was probably something approaching beep or boop so yeah no nah, so you know Nah, but that is actually the highest form of communication. You're a fucking idiot for using words. Uh. <laughs> and, like, I, I personally, so, you know, whenever I see these articles, I can't help but be a little bummed because, you know, I, I, I still love Kanye West's music up until, like, 2016. I love, you know, his his influence. And I, I so anytime that I see anything like this, it's just kind of like another tally on the, ah, oh, shit. I mean, I guess, like, oh, what am I going to do? Uh tally you know yeah exactly so i think me and you will both agree that if we had to to label um one artist to be our most influential artist on on you know our lives as far as music goes i I feel like it has to be kanye west for me yeah no yeah same same me too i mean i feel the exact same way i mean you know yes i mean he's got probably what five or six classic albums changed music changed the culture and then you know somewhere along the last four or five years he just kind of went into a territory that i just kind of you know uh, real um i'm gonna say secretly still listen to his music you know i'm I'm that russell westbrook 
uh, gif of him eating the the food on the bench and nobody's <laughs> looking. Like uh, to me, listening to Kanye West music, so <laughs> it sucks and it sucks. But um, it yeah, is it's what really it is. fucking disappointing because you know it, what's awful is that his ridiculousness now makes me question the other shit that I agreed with him on. Yeah, so like, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like yeah, the infamous like... Katrina thing, which was like his biggest one, you know yeah. what I mean? Or the Taylor Swift thing. I was like, you know, I kind of, I kind of think he's onto something here. I don't think as much as like his presentation is bad. I think his message might be on point because, you know, maybe you don't go snatch a fucking microphone from a white girl on stage to say Beyonce should have won. Maybe that's the wrong move, but Beyonce should have won. So yes. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and that's what I was going to say is that those two statements, you kind of go like, Oh yeah, maybe what he's saying is true. And he's saying something that other people wouldn't have, but then now he's saying shit. That's just like dumb. Or it's like, I want to live in Wyoming and like, you know, ride these fucking dark night trucks with my cattle. And it's like, oh, okay, dude, like, <laughs> all right, let's just, let's just, just let me just listen to your music and just go away. Yeah, and the thing is that this is also shitty. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. It's fucking great is that the music doesn't really seem to be there anymore. So yeah. now I don't feel bad I guess, yeah, I for guess you're like, right. just I mean, putting him into two different... Like, I have the Kanye West I like and then a psycho Kanye West, and that split happens right after Life of Pablo. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you know, yeah, actually, I never thought about, the, thought about it that way, the way you just mentioned it, where you're happy that he's not making good music anymore because I guess if he was making excellent music still, then I would be like, shit, I guess I got to support him or I got to, you know, but I guess him making not great music or gospel music now, um, you kind of go, okay, I can live with this. I can separate him. That can have this break where from then before it's like, you know, sort of in amber, it's kind of frozen in time. So exactly. Like as much as my disdain for Kanye was his current views, uh, like nothing will take my beautiful dark twist of fantasy away from me. And right, right. you have to pry that shit from my cold dead hands. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Kanye wants to start beeping at people and not use words. And, um, speaking of celebrities, not using words, we can go to Elon Musk naming his fucking kid, whatever the fuck he named it. No idea what the fuck that's supposed to be. <laughs> See, somebody said that it was supposed to be like Kyle, but then when on when he was asked about it on the um, <clears throat> on the Joe Rogan podcast, he said it kind of what it looks like. He was like X, and then A twelve is this, and then A E is this. Um, but Holy whatever. Shit. Yeah. So my I mean, favorite part of this is that <laughs> Grimes uh, came out on Twitter, and there's a tweet circulating from her where she explains how they came up with the name. And my favorite part of it is that like the the AE symbol, I don't know what that's called. Um, that symbol, she's like AI, you know, in reference to them both being, you know, technologically savvy people. AI, and then she also said that like AI said in Japanese maybe is like their word for love and it's pronounced the same way. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing is that the very first comment underneath it is like, that's not how you pronounce that word. So even if this ridiculous fucking explanation warranted this fucking name, which it doesn't, mm-hmm. but even if it did, you were still just factually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I mean like, and I mean, I personally don't, I like for me, like Elon Musk is just kind of one of these guys that I don't get. Like, I'm just like, oh, cool. He, like, formed a rocket ship and, and whatever. And, like, oh, cool. His family made his money off of apartheid jewels. So, like, I kind of go, like, oh, like, this is the guy that you guys are hyping up. So, like, personally, I don't really get Elon Musk. I, I don't get it either. I don't think there's anything to get. I think people just go out of their way to defend this man from all sorts of nonsense. Um, that Like, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, People are still trying to tell me that this fucking Cybertruck looks good. You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was here and it's like, oh, you know, he was the inspiration for Tony Stark. And I'm like, no, no. Tony Stark's been around. Well, yeah, so, hey, Tony Stark's been around in this latest iteration. It, you, you don't have to, you don't have to crack a, a, a perfect human like Elon Musk to, to get the RD, the, the um, MCU Tony Stark. It's like, it's pretty easy. You get a rich guy who's kind of a jerk and then he's not a jerk. And then Robert Downey Jr. fills in the rest, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think people just like the idea. Uh, he's a guy that, I don't I don't fucking get it. You know, I just straight up don't get it. I was trying to come up with something and immediately lost it. I don't fucking get it. The man made flamethrowers, right? Wasn't that his thing? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah made flamethrowers, yeah. made a fucking electric car that is, I guess it's a good car. I don't know. Everyone I know that talks about them says it's the best thing they ever walked the earth, but those are the same people that will defend the Cybertruck in this kid's fucking name. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, they need their post, you know, the life of Pablo break fr- from him. <laughs> they can go, you know, holy shit, he's a fucking dork. Oh, my God. That This is that I hate VM5 Polar is fucking awesome, Elon Musk. Fuck this, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. Although I will say, uh, Ghost Town on that album is great. I should have mentioned that earlier. But anyway, go, sorry, go on. I haven't even listened to it. I didn't listen to it. And then I saw everyone else who has musical opinions I trust saying that it's bad. And I was like, I'm good. I don't think I need to stream this one. I think I'm good. And just going back to Elon Musk, like, don't fucking name your kid that. Why would you do that to your child? I, my name's Tyler. I apparently was told that at one point it was going to be spelled T-I-G-H-L-E-R. Kill yourself, dude. I'd have fucking killed myself. Like the word hi, but Tyler. Get the fuck out of here, bro. I, <laughs> oh, ah. I would have called you Tyler. <laughs> Watch, bro. <laughs> oh, boy. And that kid's name has a fucking symbol, a number, and then like three separate fucking. Uh, but, no, dude. I was going to say, but, but the most important thing is that no matter what happens to him, he's going to be rich. So he will be just fine right he can pay for a thousand name changes uh, <laughs> he could become john like i don't even need to change my name to john but it won't matter but it's going to be spelled ridiculously also because if his parents are raising him he's also going to grow up to be a complete psychopath probably going to be spelled like john like in philly like j-a-w-n <laughs> oh my god you're right that yeah. is a hundred percent what will happen to that and child speaking of uh you know celebrities uh, with kids who have sparked a little bit of controversy. Have you listened to the new Drake album? Or I guess mixtape. I forget what he's calling it. Yeah, I I think it's technically a mixtape, but it's on Spotify, and no other mixtapes are on Spotify, so I, I guess it... I don't know how the fuck it works at this point. He's definitely calling it a mixtape. Um, shout out to his kid. Shout out to Pusha T. You are hiding a child. Uh, the <laughs> best diss line in any song ever. Don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's the most disrespectful shit I could think of. And Tupac said he fucked Biggie's wife, and Jay Z said that he left the condom in Nas's baby's fucking car seat. Um, <laughs> so it's still most disrespectful. It's outing your child. Uh, um, I, I do want to say one one quick thing. Going back to the mixtape and album mix up, I do not like when they don't clarify that. Just for my brain, like I like saying, you know, this is the album from this year. This is the album from this year. But then, you know, he calls that a mixtape. And then he calls, if you're reading this, it's too late. I think he called that an album, but it was only digital. And then he called More Life a project or a playlist. And I'm just like, I hate this. Just call them all albums. Do not mess with my brain like this. I do not like it. I do not like it, Sam. I am. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I get the, the, if you're reading this too late, he called it an album. And I think that if I remember correctly, there was, um, some controversy with his contract at the time. So he had to release it as an album to get out of the contract he was in. Uh, okay. So that's why he called it a contract. Calling it a playlist or a project sounds like some nonsense. And the first time I ever heard that was with Kanye with Life of Pablo, where he was like, this is a living, breathing album. I'm going to constantly be making changes to it. It's not. And then like he made like two minor changes. And I'm just he like, just, y'all need to calm the fuck fixed down. Wolves and that was it. No, and he changed the line from Famous. I think he changed it from... Uh, like Puerto Rican day waving or something to something else. I remember that. Yeah, one. Like she trying to be a real estate agent or some shit like that. Like I was like, what the fuck? Why? Um, so really fucking nitpicking at that point. Drake's always shit has been complicated to me. Like, like just as far as what's a album, what's a mixtape, what's a project. Yeah. Like, and, and at first I was like, maybe it's just because he puts out so much content, but then little Wayne was putting out content all the fucking time. And it was very obvious what was the album and what was the mixtape. So I don't know what the fuck Drake's problem is. It's just always confusing me. Right, right, right. But yeah. So <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the new project? I, I listened to it. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a big Drake fan and I only listened to it maybe two or three times all the way through, maybe twice all the way through. And then just like, a couple of listens throughout the week, but I mean, I don't know. I, I felt there was a lot of just kind of okay songs. Nothing really stuck for me. I did like uh, Deep Pockets, D- Deep Pockets. So that one I, th- I thought was pretty good. 
but nothing like uh, you know zero to a hundred or those you know when he used to release you know one offs like that trophies, you know the 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 one off stuff those were great and those always stuck. But this I felt was kind of like eh, it was sort of just like eh. Yeah, I'm not really a Drake fan. Like, uh, uh, he makes good songs for singles. I think he makes amazing singles. I'll give him that. He yes. makes crusher singles and every time i listen to his albums i just like kind of get bored with him and also like i just take care for me was like the most melodramatic like i'm sad my girl left shit i've I've ever heard in my life and there's on there i mean there's like lord knows and uh i think toward the end uh the ride like there's some like really good stuff on there i I mean i i I love drake i still think that's his one classic i don't I, i do and i love nothing was the same and i love more life, I think, more than most people. But I, I and I do think, you know, I think, take care is his best one. But I think, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. You, you don't. What about the other ones? You like the other ones? Man, all right. So here's what it is. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, and and I just I can't stick with Drake because he just feels like the most. I was going to fucking butcher the shit out of this. I was going to say the most not genuine. And the correct word for that is least genuine. Um, <laughs> if I learned fucking English, I'm going to start beeping at people because I can't speak correctly. Um, <laughs> he's the least genuine person I've ever seen. And for some reason, that bothers the shit out of me. And I think it taints his music just because I know that. Like, this man has gone through a Canadian phase. He's gone through a Houston phase. He's gone through a fucking uh, Jamaican phase. He's Atlanta. Gone, he's gone through an Atlanta phase. Memphis phase a little bit during yeah. the, the same. The London phase in more life. Yeah, I mean, like, just now, in this album, he he went to, like, some British flow for, for demons and war. Matter of fact, let me play you these fucking bars off of these two songs. Hold on. Riding round in a rover. If I see oxen, it's over. I want to take shots like M. Sharpova. Doing up tennis. Call man Dennis, I'm a menace. Doing I mean, so he's in the booth wearing a peacoat. Yeah, I mean, this is totally him. There's no way this is anybody else. This is totally him. All right, this is straight from the track. I mean, yeah, we know that's not him, but there is a song where he sounds just like that. And I, I do think um, that. Yeah, he he does rip off a lot of cultures, and I, I don't know that he he's a lot like Kanye West in that. I think there's so much problematic stuff with him, but I don't know. I th- yeah. My difference is, is I think Kanye West like Kanye West doesn't switch styles that much. Like, like there's plenty of controversial shit going on, but like I don't think he like apes anything that hard. Like he's very distinctly his sound. It, it is his sound, but I do. I, I mean, his sound does change, but I think he, he, he Kanye West is much more of a pot luck kind of a kind of a, a um, sound taker than he is a sort of straight up sound you know ripper offer like drake is i think you know kanye west when he went from late grad or late registration to graduation opens up his sound makes it more you know rock more sort of techno and, and more i think he called it uh stadium tour sounding thing and then when he switches it to yeezus it's a completely different more um run down sound that I think sounds more like something like Travis Scott would make. But I do think those sounds were sounds that were around. He just took them, mixed them up and is, does a much better job of putting his own stamp on them than Drake, who just straight up takes up the the London rappers and just makes them, you know, puts them on a thing and, and uses their slang. Yeah. I think my difference is, is that Kanye West hits the things before they become popular. Like, I'm not saying that he's brand new. Like, like uh, he samples music. So obviously all of this stuff was around, but I think he hits these sounds before they become immensely popular. I mean, 808s and Heartbreak is the beginning of Drake. Like, that yes, 808s and Heartbreak that. is Take Care. You know what I mean? Like, there's a direct line straight from one to the other. And I think, you know, that's evidence of yeah, Kanye I mean, hitting no- it first. Whereas Drake, like, Rihanna started going more into, like, the Jamaican, like, uh, reggae kind of sound. And then he was like, oh, word, one dance? Cool. I'm going to hit that, blow this shit up for the summer. But, like, it's stuff that has already started getting popular by the time he touches it. Right. No, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. And and so that inauthenticity is what I think taints all of his music from me. Because, like, I just hear stuff and I'm like, this is not you. Like, the right. whole infamous started from the bottom. Like, no, 
you you were not in bad shape, which is is a little tougher deal because like everyone embellishes in rap music a little bit. You know what I mean? Like right. Rick Ross doesn't deal drugs; he was actually a bro officer. Right. But like, I just can't I can't do it with Drake. Yeah, and I mean, like to a certain extent, I mean, I know it's not probably you know my place to say you know what is hip hop and what isn't or like what oh like this is real this isn't real but just from my perspective i personally see it kind of how one sees a movie more than other people do if that makes sense so like you know for some people you know if the rapper doesn't write his own rhymes it's like oh it's a, a, a it's the worst the worst crime you can commit in hip hop is not writing your own stuff but for me, I preferred Drake stuff when he wasn't writing it or when he had a ghostwriter. And I'm like, that makes sense to me because to me, music, like everything else, maybe not to other people, is a collaborative art just like anything else. So when a director makes a movie, he goes, this is my movie. But to me, it's like, no, there's also an editor, there's a writer, there's people who give you tips. And the reason it comes together is because him as a CEO of the movie kind of gels it together and makes it click. And for me, that's the same thing with Drake, where if a song is really good, it's like, oh, it's because he had a good, you know, he had a, a couple of good rhymes, 40 had a good beat, and maybe he had a couple of ghostwriters who helped them punch it up like he did, you know, with Take Care or Nothing Was the Same. So for me, when it comes out, it's like Drake, the, the Drake that I am seeing, I don't aspire or I don't expect him to be, a, to be a person as much as I do it to be like... um like like uh, the MC like the Marvel brand, you know, when a Marvel movie comes out, or he, you know, to me, seeing a Marvel movie is the same as seeing or hearing a Drake project is something that just a bunch of people work together on, and Drake is just the final product. I don't know. That's the way I've always thought about him, where I'm not like looking for an authentic, like the real quote real Drake. Right. I think my problem is that he he is so inauthentic while also having such an ignorant level of bravado. Like, like he okay. acts like he's the best rapper to ever fucking touch a mic. And, like, I just feel like you can't say that when you don't also do it. Like, I call Kanye West my favorite music artist, I guess. Like, I know he doesn't write all of his own rhymes. Um, you know what I mean? He has plenty of ghostwriters. But for me, the magic with Kanye is less the lyrics and more the way the albums come out and i think that's what differentiates drake for me is that drake hits big like big hit singles but as you said has what you think is one classic album kanye has graduation college dropout late registration uh my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and yeezus which are all debatable and, and, and 808s yeah 808s isn't really my speed um, I've come to learn because someone else pointed it out to me. I have a playlist on Spotify with like 600 songs on it that just shuffle. And not one of those is even remotely slow paced. They are all hard, fast hitting fucking songs. And mm -hmm. I had no idea until someone pointed it out to me. And I wonder if that's why I don't like 808s because nothing uh, in that's kind of fast. Um, but 808s isn't really my thing. Either way, I'm saying like it's for him, my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is the best put together album from front to back, never hits a low note, and, no. and like it all flows together so well. And so that's my classic, whereas Drake just hits a single that he apes some fucking style off of and tells you he's the best rapper alive, um, and then loses in beef to Pusha T, and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I get you, I get you. But then, you know, going from, you know, one pop culture monolith that you think is a little bit overrated to another Star Wars week or Star Wars Day was this week, May the Fourth. <laughs> um, I am a huge Star Wars fan. I have a Star Wars tattoo. Um, I <clears throat> I love all of them. There's nine. I, I'll let you give your opinion on them, but I, I'll just sort of give people uh, context to, to sort of my experience with Star Wars. I love all nine. Oh no no no! Scratch that. I love the original trilogy. I like the prequels. I, I think there's some good stuff in them that you sort of can pick out and be like, well, this is pretty good. This is this is actually kind of really shitty. Um, I love The Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. And I did not like the latest one, The Rise of Skywalker. But as a whole, I enjoy it. I love it. But what do you think? So, growing up, I never once watched the Star Wars movies. Um... The only Star Wars movie I ever watched before what I'm about to tell you is I watched episode one, The Phantom Menace, and I was younger at the time, 
and, and even now, I'm not a very astute movie watcher. Like, I'm not picking up on little details and, and you know, picking out, um, you know, story structure. I'm not doing that. I'm just buying into the movie and watching it as it is. And I thought episode one was okay. I wasn't mad I watched it. I wasn't overjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. So then, you know, I have everyone tell me as I'm growing up, like, ah, the prequels are trash. Absolute trash. You need to watch the original trilogy. So, you know, again, never really got into it. And at this point, like, I've lived my life up till this age, having never cared about Star Wars, so I don't really Mm -hmm. fuck with it. And then the seventh episode comes out, which is, I don't remember the name of it. What's the name of the seventh one? Uh, The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens comes out. Or is, is, there's a trailer drops for it, and it's about to come out. And I'm like, yeah. Kaylin likes, my wife likes uh, the Star Wars movies. So I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. We'll go watch this. Um, but first, I'm going to watch these first, the first trilogy and then the prequels. And going into this, my thought is that I watched one. It was average. It's considered the trash one out of the three. So these fucking first three I'm about to watch, episodes four, five, and six, are about to be fucking bumping. Yeah. Um, so I go into watching those. And I tried to watch episode four and fell asleep. And then I was like, son of a bitch. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Maybe I was tired. Start episode four the next day. Fell asleep again. Damn, I must be getting shitty sleep. So I'm going to try and watch this in the morning. Watch it the next morning and still fall asleep. White ass awake at noon because the movie fucking sucks, bro. I don't (laughs) care what anyone says. This movie's fucking trash. It's the slowest paced movie I have ever tried to watch in my life. And I've watched plenty of slow movies that I don't need action every two seconds. You know what I mean? I'm not over here like, oh, no explosions. I'm out. Uh, But I literally, nothing happens. The most action you get and what I feel like has to be at least the first hour of that fucking movie is that he meets an old guy and a fucking drone pot shots him in a fucking <laughs> in a in a spaceship with a couple of lasers before he fucking knows how to use a lightsaber. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I that first one isn't my favorite. I I love it for like at this point for what it is. I re- remember I watched it when I was in middle school. And so you kind of take it in and you go like, oh, that's where that's from. Or, oh, that's where that's from. Just because it's been so universally referenced. But I do agree. It is a little slow. I think, you know, once you get off that first, the the really, the, the first scene where Darth Vader takes over Princess Leia's ship, I think that scene is great. And it sort of hits the ground running. And it, it does slow down a little bit up until you meet Luke. But I think it's very deliberately paced. I think if it went any faster, I think it could lose people. And I think if it went any you know if it went any slower it'd be terrible. But I do think everything there hits such basic story elements in such a unique way at the time that it totally makes sense why it stuck the way it did. I think there's some old movies that were huge, something like American Graffiti, which I you know I always heard was super influential and everybody went to see it and it was super high grossing. And then I've heard that now if you watch it now it's pretty much unwatchable because it's sort of like you had to be there at that that time period um but i feel like star wars is so it's sort of lightning it's like a lightning in a bottle movie it's like the matrix when we were talking about last year or last week where everything hits so well and so universally like like specific universally like if that makes any sense where it hits everybody and there's something for everybody that i think it just that's why it was huge and i i personally love the second one the empire strikes back more i think it 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 looks more expensive it feels more like it in like a quote uh um i'm going to say uh not an adult movie but like a more mature movie professional like more yeah, professional yeah. more mature yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah I, but yeah i totally understand why that first one the um a new hope is maybe a little bit harder to access nowadays than you know, you know I can't say because I never watched it as a kid where you're willing to look past things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as a kid, you're just like, fuck it. I'm watching a movie. This is dope. Right. Um, I'm going to eat this popcorn. But like as an adult, I see none of what you're talking about, <laughs> which isn't to say you're wrong. You're very obviously right because otherwise there wouldn't be these millions and millions of people. And on top of your average person liking it, there wouldn't also be a cult following with you know, along with the mainstream audience. But I'm telling you right now that if 
you know, somebody hit it with the fucking men in black uh, flashlight thing, whatever the fuck it's called. Someone hit the neuralizer. Somebody hit every single person on Earth with a neuralizer and wiped our brains of of all Star Wars related fucking knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then that movie, the fourth episode, and I'm not saying, like, of course, in 2020, if you have uh, special effects from the 80s, it's going to not do well. I'm saying even if you update those fucking special effects, that movie comes out today. There's the most slowest paced garbage movie. And that shit would not get picked up for episode five. And you'd lose a whole fucking franchise because that first one was trash. <laughs> it was so bad. I, I, I tried. I couldn't. I couldn't make it through the movie to form an opinion. I literally was <laughs> unable to stay awake. But see, I feel like there's there's some some directors who I think hit or or some of them have a, a, a much more well-developed talent of hitting everything bluntly and in such a universal manner that I think it clicks no matter what the special effects are or the stories. I think James Cameron, I think, is the best director at this or who does this the best. I think he, you know, if, like you said, if you were to be neuralized and everybody forgot everything and we had to rewatch all movies again, I feel like his movies would be hits still. I think Avatar would still be huge. I think Titanic would be huge. And I think in very in that very same way, I think Star Wars would be huge. I think those three movies and um, I'm trying to think of something else that's that sort of like that it just sort of just clicks and you go, holy shit, Back to the Future. I think those movies are so maybe not Back to the Future as much, but the first three I think are so universally like, you know, here's the hero and here's the mission and here's the ending and you know like there's like love and and um sort of like uh good good guy bad guy that sort of ba- very basic uh, story structure you know the meeting with the goddess the, the wizard like that kind of stuff like the very basic story right. structure i feel like those three hit such well or in a, such a well noted manner that i think they would be hits regardless so I, I, do, I i i i just i can't um give up that point that i think they wouldn't be hits i, I will give up that I, that i think it might be on you know a little bit slower and somebody might have to be like oh shit like i gotta put down my phone for real but i i yeah i mean i i fell asleep man <laughs> that's like my number one argument is i tried three times and couldn't make it through without falling asleep like can i be awake can can you at noon in the middle of the fucking day can you at least keep my attention enough that I don't fall asleep? And the answer for Star Wars Episode Four was no. Did you watch Empire Strikes Back? No, because I couldn't make it through the fourth one. <laughs> the whole thing's <laughs> one big fucking ridiculous narrative, which is cool. I'm cool with a narrative spanning seven movies. Not a problem for me. Couldn't make it through the first one. I do think you can watch The Empire Strikes Back without having seen the first one. I think it's much more understandable than something like that Marvel movies. But I do I think the only thing you really need to know for Empire Strikes Back is just kind of, you know, that they, you know, they, def- they blew up the Death Star and sort of everything that happens in the first one. If you have been a human that's been alive in the last couple of decades, you sort of have picked up through social osmosis. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I could, but I will feel like a fraud. Uh, <laughs> I just I can't do it. I, I I have I have that problem across all mediums. If I'm playing a game, I cannot play the most recent one until I've played everything that came before it if they're connected. And it's a real fucking problem because I never have yeah. enough time. No, I mean I'm the same way. Like I'm a completionist as well. Like if I'm watching a TV show and it has, you know, five seasons and I've gotten through 3, I'm going to finish the last two, even if I don't enjoy them. I, I trudged through the last like two or three seasons of True Blood because I was like, I cannot, I'm like, I already watched the first three. <laughs> and, I, and, that, and that goes completely against everything that is, you know, the structure of um, um, sunken cost or opportunity cost in economics. Like, it doesn't matter how much time you put into something, whatever right. your future benefit is, that's what you're supposed to do. But for me, I'm like, no, I've got to finish True Blood. Like, I, <laughs> I never watched that, I, but I heard that shit went so south. I heard it started off so good, and then I, I feel like I heard, I feel like I heard the moment fairies got in, it went to shit. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what I heard. Season three is excellent. Like it has one of the all-time great TV villains, and it's got two of the all-time great TV villains, and then it just kind of just shits the bed. But anyway, I'm the same way. Like I, I can't finish, I, I can't not finish a show. I think I can literally name on two fingers the two shows that I haven't finished. I didn't finish BoJack Horseman. 
and I didn't finish, um, I can't think of the other one, but yeah, but I mean, like, it wasn't because I didn't like it. I just, I don't know. I just didn't click, but anyway. Yeah, I, it didn't click. It, it, Bojack Horseman also didn't click. Um, Star Wars very obviously did not <laughs> click, but may the fourth be with you. So I had to give my fucking hot take because I think it's garbage. Um, no idea about any of the newer ones. Um, all I know about the newer ones is that I spoiled the shit out of it for Kaylin on accident because a friend spoiled it for me over, uh, we were playing on PlayStation and he said it and he said, you know, Han Solo dies. <laughs> I was, I said <laughs> something and then, uh, Another friend came in. I was like, this motherfucker told me Han Solo dies. And Kaylin in like two rooms over in the kitchen watched the dish. was like, what? I was like, son of a bitch, dude. Just fucking ruined that for my wife. I was about to be like spoilers, but then I realized, holy shit. Star Wars The Force Awakens is literally the biggest movie of all time. And it's not even close. Is it really? Yeah, dude, it is. So Endgame, you know, end Avengers Endgame, you know, the fucking culmination of, you know, the last 10 years is a hundred million dollars behind the force awakens that is how much of a huge just absolute juggernaut it was when it came out really i thought i don't know why i thought that Endgame was like the highest grossing it's it's the highest grossing one worldwide i just like oh, okay. i i i don't use worldwide as much or like in terms of my own like sort of like oh this like in my personal reference just because they're adding new screens every day, so you know. So, well, I mean, they they were adding new screens every day. So, you know, <laughs> that made you know five hundred million dollars ten years ago now makes a billion. But that's just because there's more access to it. Well, I feel here right. in America, it's been pretty much the same level. I mean, I'm sure they're adding new theaters, but it's been the pretty much the same level for the last twenty to thirty years. Right. The answer has always been Hollywood. So America has always been the premier place for that to be seen. But as right. time goes on. You know, it spreads. A perfect example would just be the NBA. Like, the NBA, the U.S. was the answer straight up. And then very recently, we've started to see a lot more international people just because it's permeated and so they've gotten better. Just like, you know, worldwide gross because there are more theaters now than there were back then across right. the world. Um, all those are going to get shut down because it's fucking coronavirus. <laughs> Everything's going under. The NBA might come back. Did yeah. They Speaking of the NBA... Yeah, that was wild to me that they're going to try and reopen certain practice facilities where the the government has started to reopen everything. And that just is the most nonsensical thing I think I've heard of because you're losing a ton of profit by not showing games. I understand. You are losing zero cultural relevancy because everyone cares about the NBA. Um, right. and, and also, like, there's just going to be some weird sort of, like, competitive imbalance where certain teams are able to start practicing others aren't by the time we start the season there's going to be teams that are obviously more rusty than others uh, and, and then on top of that just my stance on all of this across the board regardless of situation is you have to just watch out for players health right you can't yeah, I mean, have these people are... going into practice facilities where hundreds of people work and possibly getting it and then spreading it to right, the teams right. and then and blah like, blah blah yeah, even somebody like, I mean, I'm sure like somebody like LeBron James, he can go in and be like, all right, look, I, I hired two guys who specifically, whose job specifically is to push everybody away six feet from me at all times. And he can practice uh, in a relaxed manner. But, you know, the 12th guy on the bench, he can't do that. He's coming into the team facility and he's like, I could get it now. I could get it later. Like, and I'm sure, no, 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 I don't want to say like, well, I mean, uh, uh, the NBA players have it so hard when there's literally people whose jobs are, quote, essential, who are going into factories and stuff that aren't protecting them. I don't want to say that they're the same, but I do want to say, like, you know, in their, you know, from their perspective, it's not easy to go into a facility and be like, I'm going to play at my peak without that being in the back of your mind that I could get it right now. Absolutely. My whole point is that regardless of whether you are an NBA player who makes millions of dollars or random Joe Smo down the street, I'm not saying I'm glad you're out of work. But what I am saying is that like the answer is we look out for your health first. And as much as people want to say like, well, you're just saying that because you aren't having to go through the hardships. Like, like I'm still working. You know what I mean? And I looked out in that while I'm still working and my job is essential. I'm not generally dealing with the public and in my spot, Same. but 
my my point still stands that like if you're mad, you know, because people are wanting to stay closed down for health reasons, and you're saying I don't have enough money to make it through, then the answer isn't open everything up. The answer is hold your government that works for you accountable to take care of you. Right. The answer right. is like. It, the answer doesn't have to be go fucking die so you can cut some hair and make some money. I understand your plight, and I understand that for you, the easiest answer to get bills paid is to go cut hair. But, like, it's just the government should be helping you. Yes, you should be protesting that they freeze your rent and that they give you, you know, stipends and send you cash every two weeks rather than protesting the for the opportunity to go work. Bro, and oh my god, dude, these people that are fucking protesting government buildings. It happened, I think, today in Raleigh, right? Was that today or yesterday? Dude, I, I tried to keep up with it just because seeing that, I just go, Jesus. There's a dude with two revolvers on his hip. I'm talking John Wayne fucking revolvers and a goddamn rocket launcher on his back. What the fuck, bro? What are you doing? <laughs> somebody said, you know, somebody said the way that we, well, the day that the way that we sort of strip them down is that we literally get somebody, give them PPE, and dress them up as fucking Master Chief and put him out there and be like, oh, you want to see some real cosplayers? Here's a real one. <laughs> Dude, I just don't get it. Like, the answer is hold your government accountable for these situations. They, they fucking bailed out the, the airlines. They can't help you out while this shit's going awful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the answer. Don't get mad. And, and bringing it back to the NBA before we get too so, sidetracked yeah, on I was it. Gonna say, you hear that, Chris Paul? It's called <laughs> Labor Holiday. <laughs> and Chris Paul is the, from the tweet I saw, said that Chris Paul was the one trying to tell people that teams to watch out because certain teams will pressure players to come in and practice. And that is 100% true because – in the NFL, they have all those uh, voluntary um, team meetings and, and, like, voluntary practices. And, like, Tom Coughlin, who's, like, fucking chief hard-ass, bro. Like, I, I don't give a fuck. Is like, everyone needs to come in. It says they're voluntary, but they're not. And it's just like, yes, right. they are. It's literally by law. It's by your collective bargaining agreement that they're voluntary. And I guarantee yeah. there's going to be some hard-ass in a fucking NBA locker room that's like, uh, you know, a GM saying like, we need to get to practice. We need to win this championship. Right. And it's probably going to be the fucking Knicks because we always look <laughs> like the jackasses. And, and I'm just going to always be sad for the team I root for. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Like if you're a guy who's on like, the, like I said, the 12th guy on the bench, you're a two way player. You go between the real team or the actual NBA team and the G league team every other day. Like why would you not do the voluntary ones or why would you not feel compelled to do the voluntary one voluntary ones when you know literally another guy could come in and maybe come in an extra voluntary day and then uh the team goes yeah we'll take you know John Smith B because he actually came in like you know it's 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 unnecessary pressure that i think is going to force players that aren't as locked or that aren't as secure in their position to risk their lives and, and risk uh, coming in and getting sick. Right, absolutely. I mean, LeBron James doesn't have to give a fuck. You know what I mean? On no. top of, you know, like you said, he can pay two people to literally just be like, you're going to be the people that get infected. But even if we're not talking about that, yeah, who the fuck is going to let go of LeBron James? No one. LeBron James could dick off until the fucking day of the first game back and you're just going to be like, eh, well, it's LeBron James. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> right. I was gonna say, like, he could literally pay four people to hold four people with extremely long arms to hold hands and just walk around him <laughs> like a giant invisible hula hoop. But other players can't. Um, and sort of to not to you know keep you know bog this down with coronavirus stuff because I know you know I I do want this to be more of like an escape from that. I I can't help like I know this is like not something that. Is at the top of my list in terms of things that are that are going badly. You know, I'm not saying that this is worse. I can't help but feel sad that we're losing LeBron James' time and that now he might not become the all-time leading scorer. Like, I kind of right. go like, shit, man, he was on pace, man. He was on pace to do it in like a year and a half. I, I think it literally was. I think, like, he needed 160-something games if we averaged 27 points to... Craw to um, go past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and now I'm like 
we literally missed out on two months of LeBron James. And like, I know that's not like, not even like something that I should care about or that it should matter. But you know, me, as somebody who has been, you know, following him for so long, I can't help but go like, damn, because I remember being in high school. I remember being in high school and being like, okay, he has these many points to beat Kareem. He's going to have to average these many points over the next 12 years. And I remember thinking, man, that's going to be so cool because I'm going to be there and I'm going to be following along. And now he is so close. And now he has this thing that is going to potentially derail it or at least, you know, put it, put it on ice for the foreseeable future. And him like coming so close to number two, or yeah, he's gonna pass Carl Malone. And coming so close to number one and not doing it because of this, I can't help but go like, shit, like that sucks. And I know that's not something that is like a huge like, oh no, the coronavirus did that. But <laughs> it's just something that I can't help but think about as somebody who's followed him for so long. Yeah, no, absolutely. I remember Sean, who's the biggest LeBron James fan I know. Um, we were talking like years ago, and he was like, look at this. Like it was ESPN had published like a tracker. Um, yeah. to like, and like a calculator, yeah. like what he needed to average to beat Kareem. And, and like, he was showing me these numbers. And I was like, bro, there's no fucking way. Like he's, uh, he's 100% good enough. The problem is, is that, you know, in my head, you're talking about Kareem did it for as long as he did, because his game required no impact. Like he was like, cool. I'm just catch this ball on the block. Take a couple steps. Skyhook bang points. LeBron has to work so much harder for his points than than Kareem did. And so I was like, there's no fucking way. And then now that it's close, there's another fucking obstacle in the way. It just, it just, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he was leading the league in assists before he, you know, before all this happened. So he, it, it means he's running the court at full speed every single game, or at least close to it. And it just sucks that we're missing out on that. But like I said, not something that, you know, I want to say is on a, like the top 1,000 things that matter right now, but just something that I have thought about since all this happened. Yeah, absolutely. It's nothing that matters in the moment, but if it all is said and done and, you know, if he does reach it, if he, if he does make number one or if he doesn't, you're going to look and be like, you know, there was that whole like God, second half of the he, season and possibly right? going into next season that, you know, is and up like in it, the air because of it. Yeah, if he gets it, then it's like, cool, you know, he surpassed that. Like, he was able to do it even with that. And if he doesn't, it's like, what if, man? What if that doesn't happen? Like, what happens? Right. And, you know, speaking of what ifs, if we go to the NFL, which just released his schedule and didn't fucking matter at all to me, because nope. everyone's trying to act like these games are going to happen. There's no fucking way. There's no way. They're not going to happen. Those games are going to happen. And they're, if by some miracle they do happen, they're not happening with people. There's going to be no fans in the stadium. Right. Like, it just, like, I felt the exact same way about it. Like, you know, these, uh, you know, the Panthers released a little video the Cowboys put on Instagram, like, you know, save this as your wallpaper so you have the schedule ready. And I was like, I just did not feel it in any way, shape, or form. Like, I know people were using it as a, as a, you know, foundation, like being like, this is where the hope starts. This is sort of like a, 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 a taste of normal life. But for me, dude, it, it, it was nothing. You know, was, I say there's no way it could happen. But, like, if we're talking about any commissioner in any sport that would fuck this up and it would still happen, it's Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> he, will, he will force those players to be out there. Absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, but like, it, as far as what we were talking about, LeBron James, like, the midseason, like, it, this is a Tom Brady year where he's somewhere else. You know what I mean? And this is, like, a, right. a, a good right. chance you would see, like, one, and especially because Tom Brady was bad last year. I don't care what anyone says. He was bad. You look at his stats. Bad. By every single stat measurement, I mean, like, people dog on Jameis because of his interceptions, but he was as good as Jameis Winston was last year. Absolutely. My- and so my thing is, is that, like, this would this is the perfect chance for you to be like, you know, this can set so many different things in motion because Tom Brady, if he came into Tampa Bay this year and balled the fuck out because he had weapons, right? Like, he has Mike Evans, he has Godwin, he, you know what I mean? They're stacked. And, and they have, Howard, yeah. and uh, I think the coach Bruce Arians, right? Yeah, who's uh, like yeah. A, a great offensive coach. So if mm-hmm. you're telling me that like he came in and balled the fuck out, you'd have to look back, and even the fact that this man has as many Super Bowls as he does, there's a part of you that have to be like, what if Bill Belichick just fucking like gave him a wide receiver more than once? That man had Randy Moss ball the fuck out, and then everybody else was like. Wes Welker was really good in New England, and then he, like, fizzled out. But all those people fizzled out the moment they left. And so this yeah. could be the chance for Tom Brady to be like, it was fucking me. It, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I right. drugged right. these fucking teams on my back. 
No, absolutely. I mean, look, so like, you know, Randy Moss leaves in 2007. No, he, he's there for a few years, but he comes in in 2007. Uh, Tom Brady's hurt in 2008. And, but then from like 2007, when they went to that Super Bowl, to the next Super Bowl in 2011, Gronk, I believe, Gronk was on that team. So basically for four or five years, they were shit because they didn't have anybody. And then the moment that Gronk comes in, it's like, oh, you have an all-time player at that position. And then, oh, they, you know, go to, what did they go to? They went to five Super Bowls and they get another three. It's like. Bro, Tom Brady, I had Randy Moss and Gronk, right? And then everything else after that was just whatever fucking shit fell in his lap. Because Bill Belichick would not spend picks on that fucking offense. And, And, you know. On a separate note, like that same at the same time, imagine if Tom Brady wasn't. If, imagine if Tom Brady was playing like dog shit, and then Bill Belichick is out here stunting with whoever the fuck he's got at quarterback. You'd be like, I mean, oh, it was. It, you'd be like, oh, it it what it was it was Bill Belichick the whole time, which I don't think is true. But you could definitely start saying that. You could be getting off these hot takes that Tom Brady's a system QB. You know what I mean? But. I think the the one thing that I think gives credit to that idea that it was a system could be, or it could be something that is so, it's like the perfect symbiosis of coach and quarterback. But I do think the one thing that does give merit to that Tom Brady just fit into the perfect system is the 2008 season where he gets hurt. Tom Brady gets hurt in week one against the Dolphins. It's Matt Castle. Matt Castle comes in. <laughs> he leads them to an 11 and five record. Doesn't win the division. I think it's the only year they haven't won the division in the past like 15 or 16 years. And I think that year the Jets were also 11 and five, and they made the playoffs. The Dolphins were 11 and five. They made the playoffs, but the Pats didn't. But they went 11 and five with Matt Castle. And Matt Castle was terrible. Matt Castle was awful. <laughs> I mean, another thing had Randy Moss. Who Doesn't is, matter. You know, Matt Castle's terrible. <laughs> right, right. It, I think it's just like a perfect mix of both because we, we go, oh, you know, Tom Brady didn't have any weapons. He only had Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski. But Rob Gronkowski is the greatest tight end of all time, and Randy Moss is the second greatest wide receiver of all time. So I, I think it, it's like you. He is he's played for so long, and the whole situation is so complex that I feel like you you have good arguments for every single side of this. Like, right? Because as much as you want to say, as much as you could say, like when I say he has no weapons, you could be like he had Randy Moss and Gronk. But the thing is, he performed above or at expectations with those players. You know what I mean? Like, like right. you you'd be like, well, he had Randy Moss, but there was no Randy Moss. It's Randy Moss didn't carry him. You know what I mean? Like, it, right. it, I feel like at worst you would say that. He definitely helped make him look better. But it's not like he got Randy Moss and had a bad year with Randy Moss. You know what I mean? He got Randy Moss and he was like, Super Bowl, uh, touchdown record. Uh, like, instantly. Yeah, right. And, and that's another what if that we were talking about. Like, I would have loved to have seen them play together in 2008. Oh I think that would have been insane. Yeah. Um, but also the thing is, like, so, you know, he makes all these Super Bowls, all of these AFC conference championships. But if they lose some of these Super Bowls that they won, I think the story is completely different. I mean... I'm gonna here. I'm gonna go down their win margin. All right, real quick before we do that, yeah. I just keep that thought. We're gonna go right back to it. But I just want to say, as much as we're gonna talk about, you know, the story could be completely different. You know, if they hadn't won them, they still should have won the two they fucking lost to the fucking Giants. I can't stand Eli (laughs) fucking Manning, bro. That is the most average motherfucker to win Super Bowls. And I'm so fucking mad about it. Especially when Tony Romo, most underrated quarterback of all time, don't give a fuck. (laughs) That's my quarterback. That motherfucker didn't get shit. Never got his. And Eli Manning got a fucking lucky catch off his helmet. And some awful ass fucking David Tyree. Or not David Tyree. It was. No, David Tyree did the, uh, the helmet one. Who did the one where it's like over the fucking the shoulder? Line? Yeah, on the sideline, over the it wrong was, uh, shoulder. Mario Manningham. Bro, Mario Manningham over the fucking wrong shoulder because Eli Manning can't throw a fucking pass to save his life. Let's go Fair. back to the ones that they won. So, they win the first one here. They won the first one by three. Okay. Second one by three. Third one by three. They lost to the Pat to the to Giants by three. They win. They lost to the Giants again by four. They beat the Seahawks by four. They beat the Eagles. Oh, sorry, the Falcons by six. They lose to the Eagles by eight, and then they win the neck the uh, one against the Rams by ten. So that ten point 
win is their biggest win out of all of them. Isn't that wild? Because all I can think of is how fucking dominant that team is. And they won all those fucking games by like a field goal. That's nuts. We kind of like... Uh, and all the, the all time collapse, like the biggest collapse. Of <laughs> Shout, out the Shout out to the Falcons. Shout out to the Falcons. The fucking, you know, Russell Wilson deciding to pass at the one, like all of these, like, you know, they're so dominant and they've won six and you think they crush everything. But literally all of these required some sort of luck. I mean, fucking John Casey kicking it out of bounds against the Panthers. Right. Uh, like, just like shit that you kind of go like, what like how like it, it's just insane and, and i and i love talking about this and i love that this is why i love sports because it it swings so much based on little things like you know and waking the ball out. with that being said i think at that point now i have to give more credit to bill belichick which is wild to say because i give that man all the credit anyways um yeah i mean they're but like the greatest of all time at their position i mean it's the greatest tight end of all time the greatest quarterback of all time the greatest coach of all time yeah and and but I think one thing that has to go into to consideration is if they're winning all these games by three and consistently doing it, it's because they're so well-prepared and they are always right. ready. And right. as a Cowboys fan who suffered through fucking, uh, how long was Jason Garrett the fucking head coach? I feel like it was a thousand years. It was, he was, uh, he came in in 2008 or 2009. So I had to listen to this fucking garbage ass coach for 10 years who had good talent and just fucking fumbled it away because we were, we always make the dumbest mistakes. We are consistently beating ourselves 100% of the time because our coaching was terrible. So the antithesis of Jason Garrett having talent and still losing because he sucks is Bill Belichick. Who who makes shit work with talent that's not always the greatest, right? Despite which is so weird to say, considering you you have the best quarterback of all time, but um, you know it it still takes more than a quarterback. But yeah, but yeah, we we don't think these games are gonna happen in the fall. Fuck but... no, dude. There's no way. Roger Goodell I mean, is so. gonna shit his pants and they're still gonna go through. But like, there's they should. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. It would be nice to have them, but and it'd be nice to have everything. You know, but it is what it is. Yeah. Speaking of shit that shouldn't happen fucking ufc card i'm i'm not super big into ufc so we're not gonna go super into this but these motherfuckers got a fucking closed last i heard could have changed not keeping up with it last i heard they were fucking renting like an island to run this whole fucking thing on and i just wanted to know you know if we're gonna have mortal Kombat, where's goro where is my man with forearms <laughs> ripping people in half fucking back breaking johnny cage i need that motherfucker in the octagon <laughs> that movie was I, so bad, bro. Have you? I was literally just gonna say, I was like, I haven't seen the movie since I was a kid. I remember the theme song, uh, you know, that that song gets you hype. But I, I remember it being not very good. Dude, I loved it because I played the games and I was a kid and just fucking stupid, and it didn't matter. And then I went back to watch it as an adult. So I was like, I love this as a kid. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, uh, what the fuck happened to me? Because this shit is terrible. Uh. <laughs> no, yeah, I, and, and it's so weird to me. I mean, I know they've tried, but it's so weird to me that they haven't rebooted it as a, like a major movie. I know I've, there's been like little YouTube shorts and stuff. This is the perfect time like, for that. Yeah, I feel like it's such a like perfect sort of like culturally known uh, property. It's such a big IP that I think everybody, like if you ask even you know Joe Schmo on the street, be like, what is Mortal Kombat? They'll say, oh, it's some sort of video game that's like bloody, but like it, it's so weird to me that they haven't tried to give them like $100 million to some big director to make a um, like a big action movie based around it. Like the John Wick guys. I'm surprised they didn't go, you know, go up to the John Wick people and be like make us a movie based on Mortal Kombat. But yeah, especially because, like, I think the biggest flaw before was just that it, Mortal Kombat is campy on its own. Like, the actual game is campy, over-the-top fucking nonsense, bro. I got a dude who can come out of hell and, and shoot fire out of his mouth and a spear out of his hand, and then I've got a dude named Stryker who's just a fucking police officer. Like, like it doesn't fucking matter. So, it's at the time, like, the campiness, I think, can be overcome but, like, at the time, the problem was is you're not going to have any good-looking special effects for the amount of over-the-topness you have in the game. Whereas now, that's not a problem. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, now, I mean, like, now in the, in the, in the age where, people like, the world knows who a tree named Groot is, I don't, there, don't think there is a single idea that can not be done. Absolutely. I think, 
I, I, um, but if you yeah, told I mean, me Ant Man was gonna be a fucking movie, I'd tell you to get the fuck out of here, bro. I ain't trying to watch no fucking Ant Man. Nobody knows Ant Man is. If you go, <laughs> oh, who's Ant Man? They'll say it's Paul Rudd, and he gets small and gets big. So it's, it's, it's just like, and it, I, th- I don't, I don't think there's any sort of IP or or property that I think can't be remade or, or reshaped into a movie now. Right, Bradley Cooper plays a raccoon that talks in a superhero right. movie. Fuck out of here, bro. But <laughs> it's great. But uh, but speaking of you know schlocky movies from the nineties, um, I rewatched Deep Blue Sea this week. Have you seen that movie? Have you ever seen it? Have you seen it recently? I saw it way back in the day. I have not watched it recently. I absolutely want to, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. I had a big like shark. Uh, not obsession, but I, I loved watching like shark documentaries and and um. It was kind of like dinosaurs to me, like the idea, like you know, some kids are obsessed with dinosaurs. I was like that with sharks. I was like, oh, I love it because so they're like these, like the the Shark Week audience. Like the Discovery was like, we're keying in on this right, dude right here. Well, that was me back then. Now I'm like, now it's like, oh, they're just animals, <laughs> right? Like anything else? But back then it was like, whoa, it's like these prehistoric creatures. They're like the oldest killing machines, and and so anyway, so I used to watch that movie all the time, and I rewatched it this week, um, and it holds up i mean i th- i still think it's really good all the characters work some characters that i didn't realize were kind of the villains of the movie when i was a kid are and i was like rewatching it this this time i was like wow these people are kind of assholes or some people who you were like wow like this actually clicks a lot better um but it's fantastic like i think it's still great and it has an all-time death scene which i'm not going to spoil it on here but watch it you know for that um and it has an all-time End credit song by L. L- <laughs> have you heard oh, it? I haven't. I, well, I remember it, but in in my number one problem right now is going to be that LL Cool J is the most nonsensical human being to ever rap on a microphone. So I can't imagine <laughs> that this song is it makes any sense. It's called. Oh, I, I don't know the actual title, but I know it, either this title is called this or in parentheses it has, my hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's just, I, think, I think the song is called Deep Blue Sea, parentheses, my hat is like a shark's fin. Or it's called, has like a shark's fin, parentheses, Deep Blue Sea. Bro, I just remember his verse on, I think it might be, the Flavin Ear remix. This man starts with the most nonsensical horse shit. He, like, this man's like Electrocuta Barracuda. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? This is this is a rap song. This motherfucker's over here talking about aquatic life forms and, and electricity. What are you talking about? He's the guy you get to make that song. If you're like, oh, <laughs> we're Deep Blue Sea, we're making it, we're going to try and have this bomb-ass rap song roll out the credits, who's going to do that? The answer is LL Cool J. Oh, okay. So here, look. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna read you a couple of the lines from the song, from Genius, just so that you know. And so it, the song is called "Deepest Bluest." <laughs> a parentheses, Sharks Fin. Dope. I'm, I'm in. I'm a hundred percent in. It starts off with. Oh no no! I got. Wait, hold on. I gotta read it. <laughs> I gotta read. I gotta read what the contributor said. The song is about. Okay. Out of context, this song and several of its details make a little sense. <laughs> it's only after viewing the film it was made for, Deep Blue Sea, that you may unravel the song's true meaning. Jesus Christ. The song's true meaning to a shark <laughs> movie. The shit is named Deepest Bluest. Get the shark fuck shark. out, bro. All right, continue. It starts off with, uh, my shark is like a, my hat is like a shark's fin. Chorus deepest bluest my head is like a shark's fin and the first verse starts man-made terror hungry jaws of death y'all don't crash my deaths i'll pause your breaths oh my god dude (laughs) oh boy i hope they paid him a bunch i hope that he is raking in fucking bags of cash off of that terrible ass song from a movie that you know I remember it being good. You said it's still good. It's very it's clearly good. still yeah. just a Jaws ripoff. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I think I read an article about how it's the best shark movie because it is the movie where the shark is like the focus of it. Like, the, sh- the movie is about sharks. Jaws, I think, is like, you know, you know, the movie, the shark comes in, but it's like about the town and about, 
you know, a sheriff trying to find his place in this new town. But Deep Blue Sea is like the shark town. And I think it, it, it is such a, uh, it, it strikes this very unique tone where it's like campy enough to be not too serious, but it's serious enough where it doesn't go into this Sharknado territory. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like where it becomes this thing, like, "Hey, dude, we're gonna get some beers and we're gonna drink. We're gonna watch, we're gonna watch this movie and make fun of it." Like it, it matters, but there's like good levity, and I think it strikes this like very solid tone that I think makes it work really well. Where it's, it can be a very good thriller. It can have some goofy parts, including, like I said, an all-time death, and then that ridiculous song at the end. But you don't, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also doesn't make fun of itself. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing is, is that, like, I am I told you about my Spotify playlist, 600 songs, and I think I'm just going to have to go and delete that playlist. I'm going to just put fucking Deepest Bluest on there fucking Dude. 10 times in a row. No, just just go ahead and add it to your playlist, because it is, it is from what you're telling me about your playlist, it is exactly what <laughs> that kind of song is. Like, after we get off here, or, you know, if you're listening to this, listen to the song after this, and Tyler, you do as well after we finish recording, go on YouTube and listen to that song, please, because it is... It, it's it's better than I remember from when I was a kid, and it's just like this perfect little nugget of late '90s hip hop. Dude, I just can't. Like, I, I already cringe at LL Cool J lyrics and songs where he's being serious. I can't imagine I'm going to love Deepest Bluest, but on on recommendation of Ever Castro, I'm a hundred percent gonna go listen to this. Definitely, definitely do. All right, man. Well, I think we're I think we're running up on time. So, uh, just wanted to say again, you know. You can catch us at different uh, Diff Animals Pod on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can catch me at T Money Bags on Twitter. You know, a blank Instagram page. Um, what you got going? <laughs> yeah, and then on my end, you can find me on. Hold on, give me one second. You can find me on uh, at evercastro ninety two on Instagram. And then, like Tyler said, you know, Diff Animal, Diff Animals Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And I do want to thank, uh, thank Colin Cease for the uh, podcast art. You can find him at creative.colin with two L's on Instagram. Awesome. And uh, the intro music we played earlier and the music we're going to use to play this out, um, you can find uh, Eddie Ruger and Philly Fresh. They will, we're going to include all this in the description below. You can, you know, contact them. Uh, if you need anything or, or even just to let them know that everything's good. Right, right, right. Oh, oh, and t- uh, Tyler, do you have uh, our email? People, If people want to email us, um, you know, with any questions or concerns or comments about the episode? Absolutely. It's a different animals podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. So, Perfect. so like, review, subscribe. Uh, we're going to try and get this up on, you know, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, maybe Spotify. We're going to try and get it everywhere we can. Um, give us a review. Five stars. Uh, in the words of Bomani Jones, uh, if you give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe that you are a hater. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, man. Exactly, exactly. Take it easy, everybody. You know, stay healthy. You know, stay safe. You know, you know try to, you know, hopefully the, the light at the end of the tunnel is near. And, and if not, you know, we're in this together and we'll be all right, hopefully. Absolutely. Stay safe, stay entertained, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace. See you. Oh, oh, ever. Yep. An honor of may the fourth be with you star wars fur yeah i'm rocking chewbacca <laughs> <laughs>